Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. All right. Good morning again, church family. Visitors, we welcome you here with big smiles and open arms. And for those of you joining online, we're glad you could do that today. We are continuing in this series of wisdom for quality friendships, being engulfed in the book of Proverbs uh, the entire year. And now we're having a great time, hopefully encouraging you with your understanding of what it means to have a great friendship, but also what it looks like to be a great friend. And so this is week number three. And one of the things that we've seen is, man, God really puts no limits on how friendships can start and who, can, who they can be amongst. Whenever Jennifer and I got married in 2010, um, a lot of people began to ask her, hey, you moved all the way to the mountains of North Carolina. Have you made any friends yet? And she said, well, yeah, I have. And, and, and it's another lady, and her name is Jenny also. And, and, and then somebody would say, oh, cool, that's awesome. Do y'all hang out together, and, and what do you do, and stuff like that? And, and Jennifer would say, well, we're kind of at two different places in life right now. Miss Jenny McDougal's in her 70s, but we do hang out and study together and read and pray together. And so it's just, it's amazing how friendships, God's way has no limits, regardless of age, regardless of hobbies, regardless of whatever. When you want to know and follow Jesus, the best of friendships can start anytime, any place. And that's what we want to cultivate in this church. Real, authentic friendships. A church where you don't got to put on a mask. You don't got to pretend or be fake. You can just come as you are and be real and grow together. Well, I want to begin today with uh, telling you a short story of a friend that I made um, my last year of college at Appalachian State. Uh, his name was Josh Hauser. And so this guy was an incoming freshman to our track team. And, and, and I got to know him pretty quick because he was really cool and he was really fast. And, and his, in the fall of 2006, his freshman year, Josh was a contributor, a uh, huge factor in our cross-country team winning conference. And not only that, was, but he was the freshman of the year. So he was the fastest freshman in the conference. Well, fast forward a few months after that in the spring of 07, and now it's track season. It's indoor track season. Josh and I are on a relay team, and we're down at Clemson. It's the, it's the SOCON uh, conference championship, and we're on a relay team. And when I, when I get the baton and I run my, my 800 meters, I hand off to Josh, and Josh is the fourth leg, the anchor leg, and the anchor leg of the distance uh, uh, medley relay runs a mile. And when I hand it off, first sec- we're in second place, and first, second, and third is just boom, boom, boom. It's just a half a step apart, and it's intense. And the whole team's around the track, and everybody's screaming. Well, Josh runs a four-minute, 16-second mile. He, he passed the lead guy um, about 200 meters into the race and then held, held him off, held it off to the finish. And, and we, we won the relay. And this is, this is us taking a picture right after the relay. We're pumped up. That's, that's Josh. I got my arms around him. Don't make fun of our short shorts. But uh, what's fascinating about this picture is this, of course, that day ended, our, our whole track team won conference, and it was, it was a big deal, and we were, we were fired up, and Josh won or, or, or placed in other events that day. But just starting the next week, we're getting ready for outdoor season, and, and the outdoor um, events are a little bit different. Josh comes to practice, and he's just like, man, I feel just off today. Well, it's no big deal, you know, next week. 
His times are slower. The next week, his times are a little more slower. And this goes on for about a month. It's like, man, you're fading fast. All of a sudden, he can't run a five-minute mile. And it's like, man, what's happening to Josh? And then outdoor season gets here, and the outdoor championship is in April, April, just two months later. And the coach takes the top 28 guys on the team to that that, uh, meet. He's not even in the top 28, and he comes back from the doctor, and, and he's like, well, I got good news, and I have bad news. The good news is the doctor told me I need to eat a lot of steak, a lot of meat, and the bad news is I have been suffering from iron deficiency, iron deficiency, and I want you to think about this. Physically, that's what was happening in Josh's body, and he was at like just, I mean, just the most incredible freshman runner to the track team ever, but spiritually, sometimes the same thing can happen to us. We can be doing super well, right? We're on fire for God. We're in the Word. We're loving church. We're loving meeting up with people. We can't wait to share what we're learning, and we're pumped to hear what others are learning. We're serving, and all of a sudden, just spiritual fatigue slowly begins to happen, in a week or two or a month later, it's like, ah, you want to go to church today? Ah. Hey, you want, you want to get together with, with so-and-so today and just talk and read and maybe start a new book or start a new study? Ah. It's, a, it's like that, that motivation, that, that spiritual exhaustion has set in and it's creeped in and it's the same problem. Our text today tells us the same problem that Josh was suffering from physically is the same problem that we can actually suffer from spiritually. And it's, it's, it's called iron deficiency. And today we're, we're going to look, and I know you're, maybe somebody's like, what? what? We're going to make sense of it in a second. The scriptures not only show us how to prevent this from happening in our spiritual lives, but they, they help us to see why it happens, but also how to deal with it. And it's through friendships. So if you have a Bible and look at Proverbs 27, we'll make sense of this right here in one verse. Proverbs chapter 27, and please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron... So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Let's pray. Father, as we just embrace your word, help us to see what it looks like to have friendships within the body of Christ, within our homes and within our this place, such that we are continually helping one another to be effective for the work that you've called us to do. Help us to, to run our race efficiently. Help us, Lord, to build trust and respect amongst one another such that we sharpen and we edify one another in our friendships. Father, help us to see today what you would want us to from the Word of God. And we ask that your Spirit would guide us, young and old, at all places, all different stages of life, such that we would become more like your Son, Jesus, and we would be eager for these kind of friendships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you show me someone that has walked away from Christ... Maybe they walked away from 
the faith altogether. Maybe they just kind of faded out and other things became a priority. What you can find is I can show you someone who walked away from iron. It's probably true that somewhere in their life, regardless of how difficult the situation was or all the things that factored into that fatigue, there was probably a person who was willing and able to help them before they began that decline, to be the source of iron in their life. And so what we want to talk about for just a little bit from this text is simply this, the goal, the grind, and the glory. The goal, the grind, and the glory. So I'm just going to put some iron on the table up here. Never know what's going to come out from behind this table. Put a little iron on the table, and let's let's move through this move through this text. When you look at when you think about the goal, what what would the text be telling us should be our goal? When we read this, we could say the goal is very personal. The goal is to produce iron such that it's sharp, such that it's effective. If you've ever held a knife in your hand and it wouldn't cut any better than a butter knife, it's, it's, it's useless, right? The goal from the text is to have an axe or a knife or whatever piece of iron you're wielding and to have it sharp so that it can do that which it was created to do. The same thing is true with friends. God wants our friendships to have a goal such that we're saying to our Heavenly Father, if I'm an axe in your hands, let me be an effective axe. Let me be a sharp axe that does what you've called me to do. If I'm the, the sharpening tool, then let, be, let me be an effective sharpening tool. Put people in my life such that I can help them be more effective in the work that you have called them to do. And so it, it's, you, you, when you think about... Um, Something that Jesus said early on in his ministry, something that we're going to dive into uh, real deep in the month of September. But in one sentence in Matthew 4:19, Jesus said, "Here's my goal, and it's personal." He said, "He said to to Andrew and James and John and Peter, follow me, and I will make you." Fishers of men. In, in other words, my goal for you is to become something that you're not so that you can be effectual at not just catching fish, but catching men. And what he asked of them was two words. Follow me. Make your goal line up with my goal. I'm committed, I'm committed to personally investing in you so that you're an effective catcher or fisher of men. Follow me. And so the, the goal, the goal is, is personal. So I want you to, you want you to think for just a moment how easy it is in life to just share friendships, but to never really verbalize with your friend what it is you want out of life. We have hobbies in common. We, we, we play sports together. We work together. We, we hunt or we fish together. We shop together. We have all these things together that we talk about. But how do we constantly be encouraging everyone to take that friendship to the next level, to just entertain it and see, hey, w would you like more depth out of this friendship? Because what I want with my life is to follow Jesus and to serve him. How can we who know each other, who we were acquaintances or we have maybe a whole 20-year history together, take it to the next level? Well, can I say to you that the enemy doesn't want us to see that need? 
the enemy of our souls who's doing a work of evil in this world loves what you might say a dull Christian. And see, th- this axe, uh, a good friend of mine in the church actually just, just sharpened this axe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you can, maybe you can tell way back there. But I, I've been using this axe a lot over the years, um, clearing out uh, bushes and briars and stuff behind the house. And, but every time me and the boys would cut down a little tree, there's this little stub that sticks up. And if, you, if you've run through the woods before, you trip over those stubs and fall down. You fall and they gouge you. Well, what we would do is we'd take this axe and we'd start hacking all around that little stub and we get the roots, but we're also hitting rocks and hitting dirt. And over time, man, this thing becomes dull as can be. It, it wouldn't hardly cut wet or warm butter. And so a good, a good friend of mine sharpened it for me. He, he made the axe more effective again. He, he, the, the boys are ready to go out and start swinging because let's, let's see what this thing can do, Dad, now that it's nice and sharp again. We noticed it had gotten pretty dull. And so when the axe had become ineffective from hitting the rocks and the dirt, now think of this, it was doing exactly what it was designed to do. Man, it was accomplishing. Do, do you know that you and I can be effective in serving God, teaching, singing, or serving behind the scenes, serving in the tech booth? But what the Bible tells us is you can be doing all those things but if there's not a sharpener in your life, if, there, if, there's, if there's not someone in your life that can come along and just, and just rough up some of those edges, any of us will become dull. I, I, I value these friendships today in 2022 as much now as I ever have. Because we can all fade. We can all lose that edge. And so the enemy doesn't want us to see our need. Because when we see our need and the church is trying to cultivate that kind of environment, big things happen. Our lives stay sharp. Our lives, we don't fatigue. We don't tap into iron deficiency. The enemy wants everything to say, look, 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 look. You're fine. Every, everything's good. You're, you're, you're at church. You're in the Word. You're, every, everything's fine. Remember several years ago when we split, you split wood? God remembers that. God celebrates that. I know it's like, it like 18 years ago, but I mean, you're good. But the Holy Spirit wants us to know, look, this is personal. I want this to be your goal 18 years ago. I want this to be your goal last month. I want it to be your goal today. I want it to be your goal tomorrow. I want iron to continue to sharpen iron. And because in the text, what we notice here is the countenance of our friend has fallen. Something is taking place on the inside, and that facial expression on the outside looks sad. It looks fatigued. It's fading away. And God says, I want to put a friend in your life. I want this kind of friendship to, in fact, to be your priority. And the fun thing is, is whenever these type of friendships are happening, it begins to go, go both ways. When two friends are saying, this is what I want in life, it's like a drilling partner, Cage. It, it's, it's every time we get together, maybe I'm sharing something that I've learned in the Word. Man, you got you got edified that day. You got sharpened. But then, but then, but then the roles switch. You're sharing something that God's doing in your life, and all of a sudden, 
Man, I come away, I don't care, pastor, preacher, it doesn't matter what your position is, what your age is, how long you've been saved, and how much you've been in the Word. God can use anybody of any age, any time, any place to edify and to sharpen. And you walk away thinking, I I think God spoke to me today. So what's fun is the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at real deep personal friendships. The neat thing about today's text is it really shows us We may not know everything about each other and share 20 years of history, but when this is your goal and this is my goal, this sharpening picture happens all the time. In fact, one of of you messaged me this week and you just said, hey, that thing that you just posted on Facebook, you wrote does. I think think it said something like a friend does enable his friends to sin and da-da-da. And you said, I think you probably meant doesn't. And, and so uh, in, in that moment, it was like, wow, thanks. Thanks for calling me out. Thanks for showing me that. It, it totally changed what that, what, that was, uh, what that post was saying. And so let's do this. When this is happening, and this is our goals, something else begins to take place, and it's the grind. The grind is spiritual. Let's hear that again. When you, when you hear this noise, what's happening? Maybe you guys right here can see it. There's little particles of iron that's falling off. Now, what, way back there, you can't see it. Maybe way back there, man, that's a beautiful looking axe. But way up here, I can look real close and I can see little fine edges. I can still see a few little chip places. I can see a, a few little shards of metal. In other words, sometimes the grind gets right down to the microscopic things that's happening in our hearts. Sometimes God works in our friendships to, to, to deal with things that you just can't see on the outside. On the outside, everything looks good. And God's saying, well, I'm, I'm looking at the heart. And this is why it has to be spiritual. Because unless the Spirit is sharpening on the inside, the countenance isn't really going to be changed on the outside. Now, I can try. I can, I, I can see, Kendall, I can see at angles and everything's good. How are you doing? Everything's good. I mean, it's not hard to smile for a few minutes, right? But when I go home, when I go to bed at night, when I wake up the next morning, what's, what's your countenance? What's my countenance? And God's saying, hey, look, I want... I want friendships. I want Holy Spirit friendships in your life. And I want the grind to be happening in such a way that my spirit has the freedom to do a work in your heart. And that countenance will begin to change. And so, let's think about this. If I separate the sharpening tool... Oh, yeah, yeah, I have this friend. I have these great friends in my life. And, yeah, man, they're, they're available. Call them, text them, go meet with them in the middle of the night. They'll help me out. But, look, no sharpening's happening over here. You feel that? No sharpening's over here. We're really not. To, I'm available. But nothing's happening. Really, the grind doesn't happen the, until there's, we're together. And when we're together, it may be a little rough. In fact, there might be some friction. In fact, sometimes if we could put it into another picture, the grind may look like this. It could even get heated. There, there could be sparks. There, it, 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 could, it, could, it could be really challenging. You kind of walk away thinking, man, 
<laughs> Lord, is that you or is that my pride? What, what is that? You know, it can be tough. But can I say this? We're not saying friendships are meant to be just where you just, you just beat each other up and you just walk away discouraged. The, remember, the goal, the goal is to get the desired outcome to become effective for God's work. So this is why the grind is spiritual and the word of God must be the unchanging tool that's in the midst of everything. Read with me in Hebrews 4.12 which says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper. Isn't this fascinating? It never gets dull. It never gets fatigued. It never gets iron deficient. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's going to deal with what's going on on the inside. So as a church, we're wanting to cultivate an environment with, where friendships aren't just superficial. They go a little bit beyond how you're doing and what's going on. And they, and they, they create an environment where it's safe. It's safe to talk to one another and to get to one, know one another during the hard times and during, during the rough edges. So let's talk about what does the grind practically look like? I see the metal to metal thing, but what does the grind practically look like? Well, sometimes... It's a rebuke. Sometimes it's hearing the very thing that you don't want to hear, but you know that you need to hear. Do you remember Nathan? Actually, let me just read Proverbs 27.5. Proverbs 27.5 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. In other words, sometimes the most loving thing to do is to just say to the person, to the friend, what they really don't want to hear, but what they need the most. Do you remember when Nathan, the prophet, openly rebuked David? It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Well, Solomon, who wrote most of Proverbs, would have known about this. His mama and his daddy were involved. David had put himself in a position where it was a time when kings go to war, but David stayed in Jerusalem. And as a result of that, David had an affair with Bathsheba. David eventually tried to cover the whole thing up and murdered her husband, Uriah. No one knew everything was fine. The edges were dull in David's life. No one knew. There was little chips and nicks and all sorts of abrasions. No one knew. David the king, the man after God's own heart, everything's fine. But Nathan, come one day to tell David. Nathan told him a story, and David was like... Well, whoever that is in that story needs to die. And, and, and Nathan's like, you the man, David. You, 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 you the man in the story. And, but as a result of this strong, very tough to handle rebuke, you know what psalm we have? You remember? Psalm 51. No better psalm probably in the Bible for how to cry out to God and confess our sins as a result of the grind of that moment with David and Nathan. 
Well, I, I would love to tell you this can start early in life. There's really no limit. When I was 20 years old and, and, and just kind of started trying to follow Jesus at Appalachian State, well, there was this girl that sang up in the choir in the church at Mount Vernon all the time. And I noticed she's kind of the only single girl in the church. And so I asked her to go on a date one day. And she said yes. And then, and then later on after that, she said yes to another date. Well, this went on for like two weeks. And one day, one of my best buddies, he was a wrestler on App's team, is a stud of a guy, Corey, ran into me on campus. He said, hey, you, you been dating Lisa? I said, well, yeah. I mean, what's, what's up? He said, you ain't told me. You, you, ain't, you haven't told me that, that you took her on a date. And I heard maybe even a couple of dates. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Are you, he said, are you hiding something? Well, no, no, you know, not really. He said, well, have you prayed about it? And I was like, before we ate supper, I prayed about it. Yeah, yeah, we prayed. And he's like, look. And I was like, what do I need to do? I mean, she goes to church for the love of Jesus. And he's like, man, I, I recommend fasting for at least 40 hours. Do you know how serious God takes a relationship? And I was like, no, I don't actually. I'm trying to learn. And so he, and I was like, what's fasting? I mean, I try to run, but you know, what's fasting? And so he began to walk me through the process of fasting and, and, and what God does. And I was like, wow, I just, it's totally new to me. And you just kind of feel like the grind of like food, really? Well, I, I went and told Lisa what Corey told me and how he rebuked me. Man, he just laid it on me. It's kind of hard to hear. And, and, and so she's like, sounds like Corey takes this more serious than we do. I was like, ugh. Man, strike two for the day. And so we both agreed, let's do this, and then let's meet up after 40 hours in the church parking lot, and let's do it. And whenever I got to the church parking lot 40 hours later, she's crying her eyes out. And I'm just dreading it because, I'll be honest, God made it so clear. You're not ready today. You'd barely get to know me, let alone date my daughter. And I'm just dread telling her. I get there and she's crying because she dreads telling me that God told her we don't need to date. And so then we, we're, we're in the parking lot and we tell each other what God told us. And we begin to just cry and praise God that he showed us now is not the time. You're not ready. You know why that happened? The grind. Somebody cared enough to say, hey, have you prayed? Have you thought about this? Do you know what God wants for a relationship? <laughs> No idea. Other times it may look like this. It's just constructive criticism. It's just, it's, it's one of those moments in life where, well, actually, Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have somebody in your life that you trust and respect? If you have someone in your life that you trust and respect, you'll receive this. But if you have people in your life that you don't really trust and respect for whatever reason, you, it doesn't really matter to you what kind of criticism they give you. You're probably not going to receive it, right? But when a friend tells you something that's hard to hear, but because you know you can trust them, you kind of go away thinking about it, right? It's constructive criticism. It's like a coach. There's the coach that yells and screams at his team, and the kids walk away, and you walk, oh, man, I can't stand that coach. He's always on my case. And he, just, he don't ever get out here. But then there's the coach that's out there pumping the iron, sweating, lifting, running, not afraid to get dirty, not afraid to bump chest, you know, with, with his athletes, the relationship changes, don't it? He's, 
coaching you. There's, there's a relationship. You cling a little bit more to what he says when he's like, hey, you're, you're, when you're squatting, you're bending over. You're going to hurt. Shut up, coach. I know how to squat. I'm 300 pounds. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Cody helps guys with this all the time. Form is everything. You're going to listen to that coach when he gives you that constructive criticism because he has built that relationship with you. He's built that friendship with you. Well, man, some of you remember, actually, I hope you don't remember, but in 2009, Noah, um, Pastor Noah Crow had me fill this pulpit for the first time. I was, I was fired up. I was pumped. Everything was over. Uh, you know, a little while later, walked up to Colin McDougall, and I was like, well, is that, I mean, is that okay? Maybe is that, was it accurate to the text? It helped people. And he was like, <laughs> man, you, you, it's like three sermons in one. And I was, began to sing that song in my heart. Shot to the heart and you're too late. You know what I'm saying? Oh, whoever does that. But it was like, man, that was everything I didn't want to hear. I just wanted to hear, good job, buddy. Way to go. Woo! Man, that was awesome. Didn't get none of that. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. He said, but I can help you. He said, I'll set aside all the time necessary to help. Big difference. Criticize, criticism, constructive coach, I'll help you. I'll do, I'm here for you. I'm available. Let's do this. I heard what I didn't want to hear and it cut to the heart, but it's what I needed to hear. It was an invitation. Maybe you have a friend right now in your life It's like, hey, look. You want to get together and study? You want to meet? You want to come to this new Sunday school class with me? You want to come to life group? You want to come to summer family fellowship? You want to come to youth group? I got time. Maybe you have a friend right now. It's like, hey, let's, let's, let's take that next step. Let's take the friendship to the next level. Well, sometimes the grind is, is a little bit more like a sounding board. Proverbs 27.9 says this. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. The picture here is sometimes friendships can meet up and we're together. We want the same thing. We want to be an effective sharpener and we want to be sharpened. We both want the same thing. So we're bouncing ideas off each other. We're Hey, what do you think about this? This is going on in my personal life. This is going on in my marriage. This is, I'm struggling to parent this way. What did you do? You're bouncing ideas off each other. You're just, hey, we're thinking about spending money on this or going and doing this. Or this is just kind of something we've been praying about. And you're just getting advice. You're getting counsel. You're, you're clearing the front pew. You're, you're getting wisdom. And, and you're asking Hey, will you, will you pray for me about this? Will you, will you hold me accountable to, to this? I want to I open this up and I want to share it with you. And I want to I feed off of you. And sometimes those are the places where you just, you're just bouncing things off of one of the, some of the best moments in life happening. Where you come away saying, I'm going to start incorporating that principle in my marriage. In my, in my walk with God at school and at work. And the way that I parents. Other times, it's simply this. It's a question. It's a word of exhortation. It's, it's that person in your life that when they say, how are you doing? They're not just asking you how you're doing. They want to know, what are you learning? Some people are intimidated by that. 
Some, some people are like, oh, everything's good. No, 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 no. Really, what's God doing in your life? What's he, what's he teaching you? Well, the apostle Paul got to know the people at the church in Galatia really well. And later on, he found out, man, they're not doing well. They've lost their edge. They became dull. They became iron deficient in their race. And so in Galatians 5, he says, you ran well. Who hindered you? So he asked a question. He, you guys were running so good. I was with you. I saw you. You're on fire. You got spiritually fatigued. Who hindered you? In other words, who came into your life and began to hinder that edge and take it away? Verse 8 of, of Galatians 5 says, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Remember the goal? He's reminded, remember the goal? God didn't hinder you. God didn't, God didn't dull your edges. So in verse 9, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Hey, the people you began to hang out with and become friends with have just totally slowed down your race. Your axe is dull. But he says this in verse 10. This is so good. It's a word of exhortation in Galatians 5. I have confidence in you and in the Lord. That you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, look, I asked a question. I asked a question, but the heart of what I want to get to is to see you sharp again. The heart of what I want to get to is to see your iron deficiency taken away and to see you sharp and on fire for God again. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. He says in verse 10, you're, you're, you'll have no other mind. You know what I'm talking about. And the person who entered you, man, God takes it serious. They're going to bear their judgment. Sometimes it's just questions. It's the grind. It's a, okay, let's wrestle with this. And one more that we could throw in there is simply this. Sometimes it's the challenge. David Thacker loves the challenge, don't he? It's, it's just the challenge. And in Titus 2, we have one of the greatest challenges in Scripture. You have this picture of the older men challenging the younger men. And then, and then the text goes on in verse 4, and it's talking about the older women challenging the younger women, sharpening the younger women. And now watch this. Verse 4 of Titus 2 says, I want the older women to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. And you know what's neat about the word love there? Is the root word of the word love in Titus 2, 4 is phileo. It's, 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 Friendship love, affectionate love. It's, it's, it's God saying, I want the church to be full of older women who are friendly. And they get along and they have such a good friendship with their husband that they're coming along. Younger women, maybe they just got married, maybe they had a baby. Hey, can I encourage you in how you love your husband and how you love your children? And, and verse 5 goes on to say, when this is happening... It shows off the credibility of the word of God. But when this is missing in the church, man, there's a powerful word in verse 5. It says the word of God is blasphemed. The word of God that never dulls. Suddenly the friendships in the church make the word of God look as if it has no credibility. God takes these friendships so serious, don't he? Lastly is the glory 
When you and I are saying, that's my goal, that's what I want, it's what I want today, tomorrow, and the next day, and when we're experiencing that, and we have been experiencing that in the church, it's fun, it's exciting. Men's ministry this year, we have to move it from Hazel Creek to Rattler Ford. I know, which is a Debbie Downer for some of you. It's because we have over 60 men that want to go. And so we can't even begin to fit on Hazel Creek. And so it's just so fun whenever that many men in just seven years are saying, I want this, sign me up for next year. And we got to find a different camping spot when this is happening. When this is happening in the church, the glorious gods. I want you to think about this. God created iron to have the capacity to dull, but also to be sharpened by iron. God created us as people. Yeah, we can live alone, but he created us to be relational. He created us for the capacity to have friendships that sharpen the countenance of one another. This is so fascinating. But when we, when we the iron, are in the hands of the one who made us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sharpening... Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that other that friend in your life is sharpening you. And, 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 then, and then we begin to go to work. We begin to go to work, and we're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go do what God wants me to do. I've got that edge on, on my life now. And, and so we, we begin to go to work, and, and, and God puts these things in our life, and he says, look, I want you to do this for me and my glory. And you're like, all right, man, that was fun. That was fun. I couldn't have been part of what God was doing, getting, getting everything ready, because, but without my friend, I couldn't have done it because I'm just a dull blade. And God's saying, look, everyone who helped sharpen your life was a part of that. The sharpener was a part of that. You, the willing axe, was a part of that. And so there's this, there's this picture where ultimately because we're in, in his hands, the axe and the sharpener get no glory. It's God who gets the glory. I think we could put it this way. A friend really does the hard work. While God does the heart work. It is him working on the inside. Because he sees a log in your path. He sees firewood that needs split. He, needs, he sees a fire that needs to be built to warm somebody else's life. He sees things that he's calling us to do. Before we ever saw it, all he's saying is, look, I just, I just need you to be willing to come in contact with iron. And when you're coming in contact with iron, I just need you to be willing to let me work on the heart while the friend is working for me in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For the person that says, Lord, my axe is dull. I want it to be sharp. God, we thank you that you smile from heaven. And you smile in this place for the heart that wants that. But Lord, for the one that says, I'm available. I, I, want, I want to help more people. We thank you that all of heaven rejoices. For those that are coming to faith in Jesus. And for those that have trusted the gospel a long time ago. Regardless, Father, we pray that you put iron in their lives. Help us to be the friend that is iron sharpening iron, 
Help us to be the friend that receives the sharpening. When you see us fading and getting dull, thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. And we ask that this would be a continual theme throughout all the days of this church. To Jesus be the glory. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.